Hi, this is Justin Haley driving the number 31 Colleg Racing Chevrolet in the NASCAR Cup Series. Hey guys, this is Sheldon Creed, driver of the number two wheel in Chevrolet for RCR Race. Hey everybody, this is Adam Alexander from NASCAR on Fox. This is Sam Mayer. You're listening to the You're listening to the Front Stretch Podcast with Brian. Brian knows. of Mr. Patrick McAfee Jr. the third. Hello, beautiful people. This is the week of April the 18th, 2023. And well, we got to fix a short track package. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? You know my beautiful voice. It is the wonderful tone of Mr. Brian Timothy Del Nolan. We got a pair of Michaels on the program this week. Mr. Michael Massey, fresh off of his Richmond, Virginia to Martinsville, Virginia drive has joined us to recap the disaster of a race. And it wasn't because of spins or wrecks or tires. Well, I mean, a tire maybe, but it wasn't because of that. It was because of the disaster of the racing at Martinsville. We'll discuss that with Mr. Massey and more in the middle portion of the program. We're going to be talking with a guy that has more titles than I will ever have in my illustrious NASCAR journalistic career. He's a graphic designer, designs some trucks as well as some cut cars, uh, does some production for NBC Sports, as well as he is the social media guru for the Superstar Racing Experience SRX, Mr. Michael Carey, a, one of the best interviews we have ever had. I'm saying it now, it is that amazing of an interview, so definitely stay tuned for that. Coming back up, we're going to be diving into the upcoming race in Talladega. We're going to be previewing that. What are we going to see from the uh, Super Speedway package? Uh, are we going to see something like what we saw at Daytona and more? That is all coming up this edition of the Front Stretch Podcast with Brian Ohl. So let's wave this green flag. Buggity, buggity, buggity. Let's go racing, boys. Green flag is out. The green flag is out. I'm going to bring into the program. He is the pain in my mm, every single day, it seems like. But I do know one thing. He produces some damn good content. He is our content director. He is the man, the myth, the bearded legend from Richmond, Virginia, Mr. Michael Massey. Mike, how are you, buddy? I've missed you. <laughs> I miss you too, Brian. Thanks for having me on. I was I was gonna ask you, does Michael Carey have more titles than Jimmy Johnson? I mean, it's honestly close because Jimmy has a lot of titles. I mean, philanthropist. He He got seven titles, seven cup titles. Boy, that that, you know that joke went way overboard. My God, Um, this is why I just talk and I'm I'm not smart. That's why I married someone that's really freaking smart. Um, Trey, that was rude. He's he's our producer, and he called me an inappropriate word that belongs on the uh, edition of Front Stretch Happy Hour, which is coming out, which actually has already come out, our first episode. Um, so stay tuned um, for, for more of that great content that's a little bit PG-13-ish rated. With that being said, let's, let's circle it back up because what we saw from Martinsville was PG-13 or already because it was criminally awful. That is how you transform and translate into a great segue there because my God, for the second year in a row, like Massey, I used to, I used to not dread watching Martinsville race. I used to be, Oh yeah. Paperclip 500 laps, beating and banging tons, 10, 11, 12, 13 cautions. Second straight race where it was a dud. We had what two cautions for non-stage breaks, Harrison Burton and then JJ Ailey and all oh, the well, three with Anthony Alfredo and his tire. I mean, we, we had so much excitement coming in to this year with the short track package. We saw the clash. It was great. I mean, it was a little bit different. Then we go to Richmond. It was, eh. And then Martinsville is just a ginormous dud for the second year in a row. There's no excuse for this race up because it was, it was nice and warm. It wasn't cold. I, I don't get it, Masty. I mean, why has Martinsville been such a dud? Daniel McFadden in in a in a message he said Martinsville is dead now because I, I I don't get it from your point of view Massey what has happened to Martinsville? Yeah, so Martinsville it's one of those things where there there's multiple assailants like like any good crime 
in the in the murder of Martinsville from 2014 to 2021, I would argue that the fall Martinsville race was the greatest race on the schedule. Since then, uh, we've got the next gen car, which is horrible at short tracks. That let's face it, it's not too great anywhere. The honeymoon phase is over. The next gen car is not a good stock car for for racing. Maybe it's good for like IMSA or something, but it ain't for NASCAR. Uh, on top of that, you got Goodyear who keeps bringing tires harder than a concrete wall uh, to to race on that don't wear it. I mean, I want to get a set of those tires for my street car to drive Insane. around because I can just drive those the rest of my life. Never have to worry about. You know, running over a pothole or something. Uh, unless, unless you're uh, you're Kevin Harvick, then you have a little tire problem there. But or Anthony Alfredo. Yeah, and then on top, the the cars are just so stuck to the ground and and the shifting. Why are oh, we God. shifting? Oh. Why are we shifting at a short track? Oh. Do you see? I mean, I go to local short tracks all the time, and they're never shifting. It, it's just, I mean. It's like sacrilegious to to do that. So just all these this combination of things has ruined probably the great you know if not the greatest one of the greatest tracks on the schedule. It is a crime that we're shifting. Everyone should be in jail for that. I and mean, no, you should have the shifter removed from the car at, at short tracks. That's how damaging it is, and it sucks because I want this new car to succeed want NASCAR to succeed so much, Massey, but it's so hard when we're trying to get new viewers and, and lower uh, the people that are in our age or younger than us to be like, hey, you should tune in 3.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox or FS1, and then you get this dud of a race. I mean, I I, I, I don't get it. I mean, what, what can they do? Uh, Dustin Long asked Jeff Andrews after the race about what, what they can do, and they said starting now, this is in early April 2023, they said starting now, the earliest we could change something would be the start of 2024. So we've kind of already laid it, laid our bed, or we've already kind of uh, what's what's that phrase? Something made your bed. Made, uh, that we already made our bed, and now we basically just have to live in it for the rest of the year, Massey. I mean, that should not happen. Yeah, and I don't know if I fully believe Jeff Andrews. I remember going into uh, what the 2019 and 2020 season where they were convinced that they were going to run the 550 package everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then in the 11th hour, NASCAR was like, actually, that's not a great idea at all. And then gave them like a hundred, 150 more horsepower, something like that uh, to run for that season. And like, if they can make a call like that, that late, why can't they add more horsepower to these cars? Now uh, I feel like, I mean, with with engine experts like Doug Yates and TRD and all of them, they they can't figure out a way to at least add more horsepower. I mean, just a little bit more at least. Come on, guys, right? I, I mean, Denny Hamlin wants it way increasing. And, I mean, Denny Hamlin's on a different boat with arguing for NASCAR. He may get fined again uh, for, for comments directed towards him, but that's probably for the, the happy hour edition of, of uh, this section of the of podcast but i mean it's just so frustrating just just to watch massey it truly is um one group of people that i think was not frustrated or has been frustrated but it wasn't this weekend was the return of chase elliott about a month he missed due to a snowboarding accident we were there when the news got announced in las vegas um in which he did injure himself in colorado he made his return a little rusty but ended up in the 10th position get a top 10 surprised disappointed your overall thoughts to chase finishing 10th in his return I, that was impressive uh i think that you know maybe he wasn't quite in racing shape uh for the start of the race because i mean if you're hobbled up and you're doing rehab and stuff how are you doing the your fitness resume that you have to do to you know be able to compete and we saw it uh it, the sun came up about midway through at martinsville and it got a little hot and you know, we saw some guys having to go to the infield care center and get fluids afterwards because it was hot and exhausting. Um, I, I don't believe Chase Elliott had to do that, though. 
Uh, so he, he was still in decent shape. And as the race went on, he got better. I don't know if he felt like, you know, if he was being careful to start with, maybe as it went, went on, uh, he, he felt more comfortable in the car or if they just made the right adjustments. But at the end of the, he was passing cars. He, and that final run, he worked his way up from like 15th to, to inside the top 10 where he finished. And so I think it was a, it was a very, uh, impressive comeback day i don't think anyone i mean it's pretty rare for someone to come back from a significant injury and win their first time out i remember it took kyle bush like a few races when he came back from his broken Mm -hmm. legs uh to win but then he went on a tear when he finally did so maybe we see similar with elliot and you know what happened at the end of that season um for mr bush mr massey uh i believe he was holding uh what was then a sprint cup trophy if this was around the horn you would be getting a bloop 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 for uh some correct points yes he did end up becoming the champion of that year um one person that was a little bit happier than chase Elliott was his teammate kyle larson um and i don't want to say he kind of right place the right time but in which a short track it was having to be up at the front, track position, keyed all. It kind of said, um, it, it, it kind of just made a statement when you have a guy that leads 136 laps, gets back into traffic, and is like 18th to 20th and can't rebound. Kyle Larson was up front when it counted, and he ended up getting the victory. Um, overall, are you surprised by Larson getting his first victory at Martinsville? Had to hold off Joey Logano, even though he did win by four seconds. Um, we'll talk about Logano as well as Ryan Priest in just a little bit. But overall, are you surprised about Mr. Larson getting his first grandfather clock? If it was old Martinsville, I would say, no, I'm not surprised because the drivers usually shine. But on this given day, I was surprised because Hendrick did not have the best cars. Stuart Haas Racing was mm-hmm. clearly faster. And like Larson at no point in that race that Kyle Larson looked like he was going to win until he took the lead at the end. Uh, but he, they, despite not having the fastest cars, they played the strategy game perfectly. Uh, they, they just didn't make any mistakes. We saw other people uh, would pit at the wrong time or get a speeding penalty like Ryan priest. Uh, and they wouldn't be able to recover, which it is not a good sign for this racing package. I mean, it would be like if in the Xfinity series, if a JD Motorsports car stayed out and then nothing against JD Motorsports, love that <laughs> team, great guys there, uh, but they don't have the resources of like a junior motorsports. If they stayed out and were able to hang on to the lead, uh, that's pretty much how this cup race was playing out. And yeah, I mean, it was, Larson did everything right. And the team did everything right, and they got the win because of it, but it was not because of speed. And it's so frustrating because we saw Ryan Priest was fast all weekend, started from the pole, led the entire first stage, gets a pit road penalty, stuck back in 20th, and he could not find his way back up. He ended up um, having to settle for 15th. He was just stuck stuck in traffic, and it kind of says something when you have that dominant of a car and you cannot get through the field. When... Dirty air matters so much at a short track. That's a serious problem. And for Priest to lead 136 laps and to get moved all the way to the back and can't get up, that's a serious problem, Matthew. Yeah, and on the flip side, Joey Logano goes from getting lapped twice to finishing second. And honestly, Logano, I think, was Larson's best friend on that final run because mm-hmm. when when you got someone like Logano who's already hard to pass, and he, his car is nowhere near as fast as yours. And it's a track where now it's tough to pass. Uh, I mean, it was essentially like Kyle Larson had a roadblock behind him in the form of Joey Logano, and that pretty much secured the win for Larson. Good runs for Stuart Haas, Chase Briscoe in fifth, Eric Amarola in sixth. Uh, we've mentioned Ryan Priest in 15th. Harvick, uh, Kevin Harvick had a chance, uh, ended up having to settle for 20th. Um, but due to that flat tire that he got uh, late in the race, is this a sign of things to come for Stuart Haas as Ford and SHR finally hit on something, or was this just a, a one hit or a one week wonder? Well, I think maybe it means their short track package is pretty good. 
unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of short tracks uh, before the playoffs. I mean, what's the next uh, one? Richmond? Yeah, there is another Richmond, but Stuart Haas is Dover. Not- I mean, is Dover a short? I don't, I don't think it is, but I mean, some people, I guess it's only a mile. I think well, the race a lot of people are talking about kind of circling for them is New Hampshire. Uh, okay. Because yeah. know, two years yeah. ago, they were fast out of nowhere. Eric Amarola won the race. And you know Ryan Priest has a lot of laps at New Hampshire in a modified car. He probably knows that track like the back of his hand. Uh, so if they if they're once again short uh, fast at a short track, and I say that quote unquote short track, I don't really consider a mile long track a short track, but mm-hmm. it's kind of the same package. Uh, I, I could see Priest pulling off, or even Briscoe or Amarola, Harv, any of those guys could pull off the win. At, at New Hampshire, but I just don't think unless recent things done to Hendrick cars have slowed down Hendrick cars. Uh, I don't see Stuart Haas having their kind of speed on the bigger tracks. Massey stay right there. My friend, we, we come back from be talking with Michael Carey about a plethora of different topics. One of the best interviews that we have done So stay tuned and we'll talk with you in just a little bit. Right now, folks, at this time, I'm going to bring into the program this man, I swear to God, has more titles in the world of motorsports than I will ever have (laughs) in my entire life. He does work with SRX. He does work with NBC. He's a graphic designer. He has so many other things that I am forgetting, but we're going to all discuss this with him right now at It's Michael Carey on Twitter. Mr. Michael Carey joins the Front Stretch program. Michael, my friend, how are you doing, buddy? I am good. It was uh, another busy day at SRX. We're getting ready for the season, but it's uh, it's all good. Uh, there's a lot of fun stuff in the pipeline, and uh, work never stops, man. I'll tell you, but it's a lot of fun. I feel you there. Now, for those that don't know who you are, who is Michael Carey, and just how in the world did you get to be where you are right now? So currently, I'm the uh, social and creative director of the Superstar Racing Experience, also known as SRX. Uh, uh, Tony Stewart co-founded the series along with uh, Sandy Montag, George Pine, Ray Abraham. Uh, it's an all-star series. Uh, all the cars are built the same. Uh, basically, it comes down to just pure driver talent. Uh, we attack tracks across the East Coast and the Midwest. Um, so that's one job I do. Uh, I'm the occasional graphic designer for, you know, I, I designed a couple on track paint schemes this year. Uh, I did, uh, Kyle Bush's truck for all five of his races this year in the truck series. Awesome. Uh, I helped put together Connor Daly's number 50 bit Nile car. Um, and it, 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 like you said, like there's a lot going on. There's a lot of titles <laughs> here. It, it's crazy. And then, uh, the other big thing I do is, um, I work production support with NBC sports. Uh, usually around playoff time, I've been doing that for the last six or seven years, just, you know, helping out with whatever the talent needs, uh, whatever our production crew needs, uh, traveling all over the country. Uh, it's a lot of work, but it's truly, it's, it's a lot of fun. Basically, um, there's never a day off in my life. <laughs> there's always <laughs> something going on. Let's first dive into the graphic design side of things because myself and our content director, Michael Massey, were in Las Vegas and uh, we were looking over at the grid and we saw the 51 and then I was scrolling on Twitter and your name popped up. We follow each other on Twitter. and I was like, holy crap, you designed this truck and, and um, it ended up being the, that 51 truck in Victory Lane. So first off, how in the world did you get uh, to design a truck by Kyle Busch? or to be driven by Kyle Busch. And then just what, just what is that like seeing a truck that you designed, not just compete, but actually go to victory lane. So uh, I was talking to uh, KBM contacted me back in November, December. Uh, they were asking me, you know, Hey, what are your future plans? Like, you know, we have an opening you might like. So, you know, I'm somebody who, you know, I'll, I'll never say no to an interview or an opportunity just to hear what they have to say. I feel like that's kind of ignorant if you do. Um, so uh, they, we talked for a little bit, about a month or so, uh, had a couple of good meetings with KBM. And then they asked me, they said, hey, would you be willing to do a couple uh, truck, propos- truck proposals for us, for a sponsor? So I did a couple for them. And one of them was that 51 truck that you saw on track. And honestly, I at that point, I never really put together a car or a truck that was going to actually race. Like 
I made dozens of concepts just for fun. And, you know, I know a lot of designers in the NASCAR community where I've kind of learned how they do their thing. And I've seen so many concepts, this might be real. So, you know, I spent probably four hours on that truck, even though the truck looks kind of basic, yeah. you know, when it's your first one, you're pretty like, you want to make sure every detail every meticulous. Um, so I gave them the truck design, uh, you know, they paid me for the work, whatever. And I didn't hear anything for probably about a month or two. And then uh, I was actually driving to lunch one day. And all of a sudden, I get a press release in my inbox saying that Kyle Busch is back in the 51 truck for five races with uh, Zarge Transport as the sponsor. And it caught me off guard completely because when you do a concept, when you do a concept or a pitch, usually you, you don't know if, which way it's going to go. And this is a company that, um, they, they want to work with Kyle. It seems like a lot. They, they were at his, uh, bundle of joy event back in December, I believe. Um, and they really took a liking to him. So they jumped on board for all five races. And, uh, when that announcement first came out, you know, I was stoked because as a kid, you know, I've always loved NASCAR design. Um, I don't know what it is, but I just always have been a big fan of it. And that first race, you know, I made sure to tune in. And I'll <laughs> tell you what, Brian, I'll be honest with you. I was, I was bawling my eyes out for a while. I was like, there's no way, there's no way this is going to happen. And I'm on the phone with a friend of mine and, and she's listening to all of this. Uh, and as soon as that truck crossed the finish line, I just lost it. Um, you know, it, it was such a cool moment because, you know, I, I remember designing cars in NASCAR Thunder 03 as a kid, you know, just for fun. Like I, you know, you kind of don't expect to get to this level. Uh, but to have that truck in victory lane, and I actually got to see it at Martinsville. Uh, Friday night, I was so close to finishing two. I think <laughs> um, he had a good start to the race, and then once the rain happened, it just you know. But exactly. no, nah, it, it was great. You know, uh, I worked together with uh, Mike Verlander, Trevor Travis, Andy G. Uh, Kyle saw that you know everything just went perfect with that truck, and I'm so thankful that you know KBM uh, and Zars and Kyle entrusted me to design that truck with their entry into NASCAR and. You know, right away, it's gotten three top three finishes, three top two finishes, actually, in three races. So um, it, it's a surreal moment, and it's definitely highlight of the year already, for sure, and it's only April. It just amazes me that they didn't even get you, give you, like, a heads up saying, hey, we, we approve it. We're going to send out a press release. You had to literally learn about it in a press release, driving to lunch. That's just, that's mind-boggling to me. Well, for me also, Brian, because with how much I have to do behind the scenes for SRX and, and other people, I kind of lost track of it. And I remember I texted <laughs> someone at KBM. I was like, hey, like, how'd the truck go? They're like, oh, yeah, they liked it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> they liked it, but are they going to hop on board? And uh, it, it was a fun surprise, though. I mean, it, it was pretty cool to see that. And, you know, I kept that a pretty big secret from a lot of people. Like, I, I didn't tell anybody about it. Uh, but you know, to have that, the, the, the amount of reception was overwhelming from that truck. I mean, I was not like, people were texting me, calling me, like, as soon as the race was over, like, oh my God, like one, like, you know, your own designer dub. I mean, it was just, it was, it was definitely a highlight of the year for sure. Now you said you meant you, you did design the bit Nile car for Connor Daly. Are you, are you wanting to go all in on this path? Are you wanting to go more the SRX path? Just uh, obviously like, like we, the main gist of it is you hold a, a lot of different titles or are you content with holding a lot of different titles and not just wanting to do one specific thing? Um, you know, the, the bit Nile car was kind of a unique experience because I actually did pitch a whole other design for bit Nile. And they came back, they're like, let's try to, let's try to keep it like this, like half, you know, half gold, half blue. So, um, you know, when that opportunity came up with TMT, um, you know, obviously that, that was a pretty cool experience too. I went to the 500 for that car and did all that, but to answer your question, I mean, oh, excuse me. Um, I, I kind of like having a lot of different titles in a lot of different positions because you get to kind of keep your foot in multiple doors. Um, you know, from January to August, it's all SRX basically. Um, I'm in the office four or five days a week. Um, you know, there's plenty of nights where I'm, you know, after I'm done with you, I got to work on some other stuff uh, <laughs> for SRX, but, um, you know, and then once we get to the fall, that's when my NBC schedule really picks up and I'm traveling, you know, six to eight races a year. 
but I, I kind of like where I'm at now, like having the freedom and the ability to do certain things like this, because, you know, if, if you stay kind of, I, I feel like if you kind of stay in one spot for so long, like you need something to kind of freshen it up a little bit. And so this gives me something every part of the year to look forward to. Um, so it, it's hectic though. Uh, I will admit, you know, for starting in June, I think my social life is gone till November. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll be traveling to different racetracks and, you know, working with a ton of great drivers and people. So having multiple titles kind of allows you to do that. Plus from a networking perspective, it's so good when you're in multiple, you're down multiple paths. Uh, you know, I can call my friends at NBC anytime and, you know, we'll pick up right where we left off. Um, so having, having your feet in multiple, having your foot in multiple doors, uh, I think is crucial, especially Brian at our stage of our career, when we're just kind of budding into the industry, you want as many people to know your name and know what you can do as possible because you never know when that phone call might come up and say like, you know, Oh, I think Brian might be good. And I, I, I totally agree because it's wild because I, I mean, I, I live here in Boise, Idaho and from a K&N Pro Series West race, I got to meet Heather DeBow and Davey Siegel and look, and Heather DeBow is now doing truck pit road reporting. Davey Siegel's now at Sirius XM. It's just, it's just, it's in today's day and age, it's kind of not how much knowledge you have. It's really who, you know, not what, you know, I mean, what, you know, is still important, but more yeah. importantly, it's who, you know. Yeah, I agree. You know, I remember all through high school and college, they hammered in your head internships, internships, internships. Mm -hmm. But in reality, I've gotten much farther by networking through social media. Yep. Like that's how I got introduced to SRX in a serious manner was when I had left TobyChristie.com. Um, you know, I don't know what, what was next. And I was just doing these renders for fun. And the CEO, Don Hawk, saw one of my renders I did. And you know, uh, he thought I got a job at SHR because I did a Haley Deegan four car render for fun. And I messaged him. I said, hey, like, um, I, I'm not working there, but, you know, I know who you are. I know your history. I'd love to talk. Just just give me insight on your career. And he was like, well, do you want to come work for SRX? And it was wow. just that like a, a simple DM led to a whole new experience that I was not expecting. So as long as you're able to network, I mean, I feel like networking gets you much farther than an internship does, but hey, everybody's different. We see social media play such a negative role, but it's stories like these that you realize, well, damn, these social media can actually play a huge and positive role in the world because like, I mean, all I had to do was click that follow button in my case with from Davey and I got to know him. And then one thing led to another with you, a DM from Hawk. You got a job with SRX. I mean, it's absolutely, it's it's just, it's crazy how social media can be viewed as as good. Um, for those that are joining us, Michael Carey um, joins the Front Stretch program. Let's get to the gist of it, aka what my boss probably wants to, us to talk about, um, what he's probably listening to. He's like, get, get, get to the meat of the sandwich, get to SRX, get to SRX. <laughs> so let's talk superstar racing experience. Last two years, it's been crazy, been on CBS. They're transitioning over to ESPN, and now it's going to be on a weekday. It's going to be on Thursday nights. Before we get to that, let's just talk about the last two years. What's been the last two years been like? Obviously, the first year, starting up, brand new. The second year, uh, it's, it's different racetracks, different drivers. What's been the last two years been like for you personally? Well, so for the first year of SRX, I was actually, I was still a writer for Toby Christie oh, covering okay. SRX. So, and I thought, that, I thought the series was a great concept because it's, it, it, the people are saying like a modern day IROC basically where it's like, you know, you have all these big name drivers, same car, same chassis, same tires, just let them go and have fun. And I think honestly, from the race fan perspective, you know, where else are you going to see Tony Stewart go against Tony Kanaan, Ryan Hunter Ray, uh, or you might see, you know, let's put an Andretti on a track with a Ryan Newman um, and, and things like that. I mean, that's what makes the series so special. And, you know, Working in NASCAR for so many years on the NBC side of things, you get to see how full scale a production like this works on a national and international level. So from that to SRX, um, you know, you get to kind of get a peek behind the curtain with how this series runs. And, you know, two weeks before the two weeks before the race last year and five flags, that shop was 
bustling. I mean, it was bustling all <laughs> all spring, but two weeks before, like you couldn't move in the shop with how many people were in there with the cars and the wraps and tuning up the engines for the Elmore. Um, so, and getting to see that at the racetrack, I mean, the, the racetracks were crazy too. Like every week we had something crazy going on, um, you know, so, but it, it, it's been fun. I mean, SRX is a very unique series. It's only races six times a year. So, you know, once we get to January, we start building that hype up. And then once we get to July, it's pretty much at its peak. Like it's the first race of the season. We're here, we're back. And, you know, now that we're bringing back Thursday Night Thunder, uh, you know, I feel like the energy around it is just that much greater. It's on ESPN. It's on a Thursday night. You know, Tony Stewart and Ryan Newman are Thursday Night Thunder alum. Like, they used to race this stuff. So, you know, I feel like entering this season, I feel like the hype behind it and the energy behind it, in my opinion, is definitely the biggest it's been probably since the series started. Even though you're on the production side with NBC, you've gone to a lot of races, NASCAR races. Difference between attending an SRX race and a NASCAR race is what, from your point of view? So I would probably say that the biggest difference, honestly, is, you know, as a startup series, everything's a little bit more smaller, right? I mean, these tracks are smaller. Um, you know, we're, I feel like for SRX, you're kind of doing less with more. Or I'm sorry, you're doing more with less. Um you know, and from a social media side of things, you know, corporate NASCAR probably has, I would guess, half a dozen people per weekend getting social content. For SRX, it's just me. I mean, this year, <laughs> luckily, I'll have I'll have an assistant with me this year. Uh, she, she's really good at what she does, and I'm very excited for her to come on board. I'll let her make that announcement. But, um, you know, I, I think when you get to kind of see from our perspective, like, you know, we have a VP of operations, uh, a marketing and partnerships manager, operations assistant, Hawk CEO, and me uh, that have to really put these shows on every single, every single, you know, the every single summer. Uh, plus, we have the, the guys in the shop and, you know, our partnerships with various people to get these cars on, on the road. Um, I feel like it's a little more, it feels like it's more, I guess you call it maybe localized a little bit where, again, you're doing a lot more with a lot less, but sometimes that's more efficient. I mean, cause it kind of teaches you like, you know, how can we really, you know, squeeze everything out of the series we can with the people we have, you know, this is not a series that has thousands and thousands of employees to help make the series go. No, it is a small group of people. Um, you know, and with Don Hulk as our leader, you know, we're all learning more from him because he's been in NASCAR for 30, 40 years and he's been in motorsports for 30, 40 years. So when you have all of his knowledge, his expertise, um, you know, he's working very closely with Ashley Butcher, who was who was this incredible go-kart racer. And, you know, she her her career resume is insane. She's raced go-karts with, you know, I think like Lando Nars and George Russell oh. like growing up. Like she really, you know, and she's well known by a lot of drivers because of her talent. And she's one too that really makes the series run. And she's I think 24, 25 years old. So there's a lot, lot going on with this series. Like, again, this is not an entity with thousands of people making this series run. It is a small group and th there's always a lot to do, but you know, uh, the, the goal at the end of the day really is just to really make sure that we have the chance to really make this series shine more so this year with, you know, Thursday Night Thunder coming back. Last but not least, because I know you have to run, you got a million things to do for <laughs> SRX, my friend. But what does from from your side of things with SRX, what do they need to do this year to have it become a successful six weeks? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly I feel like over the last year, you know they need to have a really good social media presence is what they need to do. They need to really have a great social media presence <laughs> and they need to hire a guy who can really do the job right. Um, uh, but I think, you know, the series, you know, th there's a lot of promotional stuff in the works already. You know, we're, we got some ads out um, in different areas, to try to like generate hype in, in new areas, basically. Um, excuse me. So, um, I think honestly, just as long as the series can just really try to take what we learned from the second season, what worked and what didn't work, and just kind of capitalize on that for this upcoming season, 
you know, I think SRX really has the legs to be around for the next four to five years. I honestly believe that. This is a very niche series. Like, you can't find Tony Stewart to race against a Marco Andretti, you know. And even, like, you know, this year alone, like, you know, you're going to have Haley Deegan full-time racing against Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick. You know, these are drivers that someone like Haley isn't used to because, you know, these are cup superstars, and she's still climbing that rank, so... I think that alone is going to draw you in, you know, let's create storylines. Let's really push the fact that, you know, these are some of the best race car drivers in the world. And, you know, we're able to show that, you know, with a classic theme, like there's night thunder. Do not forget Mr. Herm himself. Kenny Wallace is also going to be there. I can't wait from, I mean, like, like Kenny Wallace, to Denny Hamlin, Daniel Suarez to Haley Deegan. I mean, it, it's so many different personalities and so many different types of racers. That's, that's just what I think makes SRX so unique. And I, I mean, I'm going to be tuning in. I mean, what, what can you, what better than a Thursday night um, during the summer? I mean, you, you get your iPad or something, go outside into your backyard. That's what I'm going to be uh, doing. So Folks, you can follow SRX Racing on Twitter at SRX Racing. Give my man Michael Carey a follow at It's Michael Carey. MC, it's always a pleasure, brother. Uh, we didn't even, I mean, we ran so long, I didn't even get to ask you about the NBC stuff. So I, I think we're going to have to have you on again. Let's, let's probably have you on probably after uh, the SRX season. We can recap that, talk some NBC stuff, some NASCAR in between, and a, a whole lot of other great stuff, my dude. Sounds great, my man. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure. And, uh, Keep Tom Bowles in line for me, will you? Uh, dude, I'm trying every single day, but you know how Mr. Bowles is. But uh, Michael <laughs> Carey, big thanks to him. Um, once again, if you're at a Superstar Racing Experience race this summer, say hello. Say him he was great on the podcast and uh, uh, g- give him a hello or even take a selfie with him. Uh, but once again, big thanks to Michael Carey. I know he's really, really busy in everything that he does at It's Michael Carey. Once again, big thanks to my man, Michael Carey. Um, the raw emotion that he shared after the uh, him winning, uh, or I should say with Kyle Busch winning in his truck, uh, really, um, that, that was really cool to, to uh, listen to. So um, I encourage everyone to share that interview, to um, even listen to it again if you want. Um, so once again, big thanks to Michael Carey. Superstar Racing Experience, Short Tracks, Thursday Night Thunder, Every single Thursday on ESPN this upcoming summer. A guy that's going to be there for a couple of them is our guy, Mr. Content Director, Mr. Michael Massey. Massey, let's dive into a, not a short track, let's dive into a super speedway in Talladega, Alabama. Um, Talladega is a unique thing because, I mean, the infield's a party in itself. God bless our man, Jared Haas. I thought so <laughs> for him coming out. Um, scarred is one thing. Um, alive is another thing. Uh, so thoughts and prayers for big Haas there. We'll get his take hopefully next week if he if he's remaining and not in a hospital bed. I digress, though. Um, but a little bit different than Daytona. A little bit wider. Um, more um, places to pass. But I think the biggest thing is the where the start-finish line is. And it's way down um not not close to turn one but further down than where most start finishes finish lines are your overall thoughts on talladega when you first think about it talladega is an iconic track i mean not every track gets a a country song written about them or Mm a uh a horror movie made about them which uh Check out our boy Adam Cheek wrote about uh, for real racing. Is he racing. our boy though? Is he really our boy? Your boy? Nope, he, nope. He's, nah, we're just kidding, Adam. We love you. <laughs> he's your son. Uh, but that part out. Trey, that part out. <laughs> Leave it in there. Nope, uh, nope. <laughs> but uh, Tal- Talladega, I love the track. It's obviously the there's the big one that's always bound to happen, but. It's another deal where I feel like the next-gen car has ruined a type of racing. Super Speedways have not been as good uh, since we started running the next-gen cars. We're seeing that uh, they they only run too wide. A track as wide as Talladega, I bet they're only going to run too wide all day. Uh, Because for some reason, three lanes just doesn't work with this package, uh, which which takes away from it. Because basically, you're just going to... 
Uh, Denny Hamlin put it best. It's, it's, it's like you're just riding down uh, 77. It's just in a big old traffic jam. Uh, so hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully uh, there's been adjustments made or something that, that have made the, the racing there better. But I'm not super optimistic for this particular Talladega. Will be one year on Sunday in which Ross Chastain has gotten his last win. Um, are you surprised by that? And then could he be someone we could be seeing up at the front and battling for the lead and eventually battling for the win? Yeah, it's it's weird that it has been a year since he won uh, because it was really after those two wins that he really took off and uh, became uh, kind of this big name in the sport. And obviously he had his viral moment at Martinsville last fall and finished runner up in, in the championship. It's just crazy. He made it all that ways without winning another race. So it, if you could call it a winless streak, you call it a drought, but it feels like he's just been gaining momentum that whole time. And I feel like another win is around the corner. Maybe he does go to victory lane again this week. Uh, but I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. I, it, but he'll, he'll win sooner or later, basically. Massey, let's dive into a couple of guys to watch for. Who's going to be a guy that you're going to be keeping your eye on? So there's, I, th I think it's a Ford weekend. We saw Atlanta come down to Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano. Those are two guys that are pretty great. It's Talladega as well. Uh, Brad. Brad Keselowski would probably be my favorite going into the race. Uh, but And he's going to have his old buddy, Chris Buescher. Those two were working pretty well together in the Daytona 500 as well. Uh, and then you can't forget that also in the Daytona 500, the guy who was leading uh, at the at the 500-mile mark, Kyle Busch, and his Richard Childress racing teammate, Austin Dillon, I think they could be ones to watch as well. Guy that I'm maybe keeping my eye on. I, I keep saying his name, and I think he's gonna gonna um show me something and show me something. Justin Haley. We saw him have so much success at Super Speedways in the Xfinity series. Kind of disappointing so far for his uh for the past two years that he's for a year and a half, whatever it's been, um in the Cup series. So, um, with that being said, maybe he could be a guy to watch for. Um, A. Jominger as well. He, he's been very good at super speedways colleague. You never know. Um, they've had wins in the Xfinity series as well. Um, and then, then just a guy, I mean, he, you're, you're always going to have like the bubble Wallace's and the Ryan Blaney's, but a, a guy to watch for is Austin Cindric. Obviously he won at Daytona last year. Hasn't had the best start to the season as well this year, but I mean, Penske's always fantastic at super speedway races. So um, for him to be battling that would not be surprised in the, in the slightest to see him contending uh, for the win. But um, Mr. Michael Massa, let's dive into our race picks. My friend, the Geico 500 um, and yes, folks, 500 miles. Actually, Massey, before we dive in to um, before we dive into our race picks, are you good with five hundred miles? Are, are you okay with having five hundred miles um, at Talladega, or do you want them to shorten it a little bit? I think they should shorten it by one mile and make it to four ninety nine again. Okay. That that was peak NASCAR right there, even though it was kind of a the, lie. <laughs> the Aaron's four ninety nine. But no, I I like 500 miles. I feel like the, the big races should be 500 miles. And I consider the Spring Talladega race to be one of those big races. Okay. Um, I believe that was the one that was considered part of the Triple Crown back in the day. Uh, so it is like an iconic race. And yeah, those ones should be 500 miles or longer. Now, I don't think we should be doing 500 miles at uh, Texas or Atlanta or oh. anything like that. No. But I'm okay with 500 at Talladega. Okay. Uh, uh, I mean, we, we rarely have these 500 miles uh, races anymore. So, so I, I just wanted to make sure that, that you were okay with it. I mean, I mean, what, if you're not okay with it, then how, how can NASCAR be okay with it? You know what I mean? I mean, um, you are. Yeah, you are. 
there's a lot of things I'm not okay with that NASCAR seems perfectly okay with. So, <laughs> And you can follow him on Twitter for all of those thoughts, <laughs> M underscore Massey 22. I know some NASCAR people are probably not happy with his thoughts, but hey, that is what Twitter is for to express your opinion. You know what else? We're also going to be expressing our race picks. That is how you circle it back. The 54th annual Geico 500 at Talladega. You will be having stages of 60 of 60 and then a total of 188 um rain forecasted friday and saturday massy but sunday it should be nice and dry and cool so with that being said we should get the, the entire race distance in when it's all said and done who's going to be walking out of talladega alabama going to the airport with a trophy in their hand well i i kind of already revealed my race pick uh but i'm going with mr bradley keselowski okay. uh, the the man who rose to fame uh by brad keselowski won this race <laughs> um, courtesy of larry mcreynolds uh, <laughs> and i mean the guy has six wins at the track he if he keeps going in his career he could very well catch dale earnhardt at 10 wins it, it is possible and i don't think you know as i said the fords are fast at super speedways and RFK is certainly better than they were last year. I'm going to go with the guy that once won here many, many times, and he's in a severe drought. Ryan Blaney. Uh, I'm going to keep saying it till the sun don't shine anymore. Ryan Blaney will finally break his winless streak uh, of point-paying races won last year at Texas. He brings his winless streak to a halt. He wins and gets his spot into the playoffs. Massey, let's dive on into the checkered flag with some final thoughts, brother. Checkered flag, here I come. Oh, no! Final thoughts are in the air. Whatever you want to rant, rave, or anything in between. Mr. Michael Massey, the floor is yours. Okay, so you alerted to it earlier, but NASCAR's doing this whole thing where Anytime there's a, a, a horrible race like that Martinsville race, they put out all these stats about how many passes there were for position. And you look at the numbers and they don't quite match up with what your eyes saw. Um, and, and the problem is they're going off the scoring loops. That's one problem. So if there's two guys going side by side and one noses ahead for one scoring loop and another noses ahead for another scoring loop, that's counted as two passes. Uh, so that's inflating the numbers a little bit. And then Denny Hamlin was was talking to some NASCAR comms people today on Twitter and found out that they're counting pit stops as well, so green flag pit stops. So if I'm running 30th and I stay out longer than everybody else, I've just been credited with passing nine or 29 people under green flag conditions. And then <laughs> when when I pit finally and I lose 29 spots, that's 29 more spots that, you know, that's a spot for all those 29 people. So it's these things that are inflating numbers. And it's just, it's like you're lying to the fans to tell them this is a good race. I had the same problem with the Bristol Dirt where the commentators for Fox just kept saying, look how fun this is. This is fun here, right? <laughs> we're having fun. I, I said we're having fun, so that means we're having fun, right? And meanwhile, they're just riding under caution laps for 15 straight laps out for a single car spin. So it's one of those things. Please, NASCAR and Fox, stop treating your fan base like they're a bunch of morons. People are, are smarter than you're giving them credit for. They can see, they can tell with their own eyes whether something's fun, whether the race is entertaining and competitive. So... Just, just let them speak for themselves. It just, it, it's a bad look when you're doing all this like propaganda PR to to try to save face. You know, throughout this upcoming year or throughout this upcoming week, this past week, we saw Chase Elliott's back. Chase Elliott is back. Chase Elliott's back, and sure, he's back. But I mean, why does he move the needle so much? I mean, no disrespect to Chase Elliott fans, but I mean, he's not, he's not gonna be vocal and share his opinion. We need guys like Denny Hammond, and sure, Denny Hammond, people may think he's a D-bag or something, but the thing is, he's not afraid to express his mind, and kind of based, going back on what Michael was saying, he's willing to go to the top of the top. He was, he's, not only was he battling with one NASCAR communications guy, he was battling with the main NASCAR communications guy, Mike Ford, 
on Twitter, and he was he was not letting up. And you know what? We need guys that are willing to go to the top and fight for what we really want, and that is good racing. And w- with that being said, I, I think NASCAR needs to just – stop with the whole chase chase Elliott or nothing because they need they need to have more and more stars when i started watching it was Dellen Hart jr jeff gordon jimmy johnson tony stewart i mean you even i don't really want to say it, but even danica patrick to an extent now is just chase Elliott. why aren't you getting guys like denny hamlin or joey logano or or bubba wallace or ryan blaney or kyle larson because they're not showing their personalities we need more guys like a Noah Gregson who is not afraid to share their personality, more like Denny Hamlin that's not afraid to share how they truly feel because that's how we're going to get more more viewers. Sure, Noah maybe has the younger audience because pe- girls maybe think he's attractive, but still, I mean, that's more and more fans, which is awesome. But you, you just can't have Chase Elliott banking on Chase Elliott every single week. And think that is a reason. Need to invest in some other drivers and not just one. Once again, a big thanks to Michael Carey for coming on. Once again, the Superstar Racing Experience coming out this summer on ESPN, as Marty Smith would like to say it. Love Marty. Hopefully, he will be on the get. He'll be on a, uh, one of these editions of the program soon. Also, another big thank you to Mr. Michael Massey. We just had uh, our first episode out of front stretch happy hour myself was the first fourth co-host rotation um next week we'll be having our boss tom bull so have fun i'm trying to have that line of where you can cross where you can't cross and uh um, it's gonna be fun to listen to yourself dalton hopkins and our boy trey lyle so uh look for that on apple podcast google spotify once again it came out our first episode yesterday so i'm looking forward to seeing all the reaction that you guys will give us massey last but not least plug your socials as well as what you're going to be cooking up for fire on fridays my brother yeah so so this week it is anthony damcott is writing fire on fridays uh we we do it by week i do it one week he does it next week uh but you can check out the one i wrote this past week which was about me taking uh, three friends to Richmond Raceway, the Xfinity race, for the first time. So instead of sitting in the media center like we always do and, and you know, covering his media, I went and sat up in the grandstands with three friends, and I jotted down all the questions they had. And it, it showed me that, hey, NASCAR is a hard sport to explain. Uh, there's, there's way too much uh, just rules and all this stuff. Uh, that the casual sports fan uh, just tuning in, you know, we, we need to simplify things for them to understand it. Uh, so you can check that out. And then you can follow me on Twitter at M underscore Massey 22, where you get all my fiery takes that aren't in fire on Fridays. <laughs> at M underscore Massey 22, at Trey Lyle VT, at The Brian and once again, at Front Trench. Big thanks to Trey Lyle for uh, trying to rally in this crazy crew that we have. Big thanks for him for editing as well as co-hosting. Big thanks to everybody through the gears. Every single Friday, Mark Harris does a fantastic job. Stock car scoop with my man, Adam Cheek. Yes, he's my man. I appreciate everything that he does. And a big thanks to everybody that supports every single one of our podcasts. For Trey Lyle, Michael Massey, and everybody associated with Front Stretch, I am Brian Timothy Nolan. Brian Timothy Dale Nolan. Thank you so much for joining us. Talk with you next week to recap Talladega and preview Dover.